Welcome to the MS Dev Show, episode number 152. This week, we talk with Jeff Holland about serverless, logic apps, and Azure Functions. And is Docker dead already? This episode of the MS Dev Show is brought to you by Aspose, the market leader of .NET and Java APIs for file business formats. Natively work with DocX, XSLX, PPT, PDF, MSG, MPP, image formats, and many more. So right now we have Jeff Holland. He's program manager on the Azure team working on Logic Apps. Welcome. How's it going? It's great. It's good to see you guys. Yeah. So. Likewise. Yeah, so one of your uh, specialties is actually serverless. So I think we should uh, we should probably define what that is. Probably a lot of people have heard about it, um, and probably out of the people that have heard about it, half of them actually understand what it is, and half don't. So let's just kind of start with that foundation. It's a good thing. You're right. It's uh, something that everybody likes to say right now. It's like serverless, uh, all of this stuff. Uh, so I'll start with a little bit of a definition of how we see serverless and why we see it's valuable. Uh, so serverless. I think I like to think of it as terms of like the progression of software and how you host software. So if you would think back, you know, a couple of years ago, if you wanted to host something like a web service, you would have to go figure out all the hardware that I need to buy for that website. I would need to go and make sure, you know, what do I do if there's a power outage? What do I do if uh, I run out of hard drive space? All of these questions I'd have to answer if I'm hosting a website without using the cloud, mm -hmm. right? Just on premises. And then the cloud came along and people are like, hey, now you can, we'll do the VM stuff for you, we'll do the hardware stuff, but still as a developer, if I'm doing something like a web application, I still have to figure out what operating system do I wanna use? How do I make sure that it's patched? How do I make sure that it has the software I need on it? Uh, so it's still a lot of stuff that I'm operating and developing outside of just my app. Uh, so kind of following that progression, then there's platform as a service, uh, which in the Azure world is like Azure app services, um, which is, closer up to that thing of, I just want to be focused on my code, where I say, here's my web code, whether it's you know Python or C Sharp or whatever. Mm -hmm. You go run it for me. You take care of the operating system. Uh, but even with Azure App Services, I still have to figure out things like, is this basic? Is this standard? Is this premium? Like, what size do I need? And let's say I, I come up with a really cool website, and I go and build it, and I ship it, and then no one visits it. I'm still paying some you know, fixed costs every month because they're running some server farms and all that stuff for me. That's actually super insightful because whenever, whenever, whenever the cloud first started becoming a thing, everybody was worried about scale up and I was always thinking about scale down because of startups or you know, I just want to start something and I don't know how popular it's going to be. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and that, that's where I am too. Probably it's because uh, some of my website ideas don't catch on as much as I'd like, but yeah. you've got to figure out that side as well. So, so I, I just want to take that one point that you made because I think it really clicks home uh, to me a little bit more now. I see people online uh, that talk about like serverless. There's still a server somewhere, mm. but I, I think the real point is, even on the PaaS offerings, there, there's I, I'm renting the server at some level, even though mm. the details are abstracted with me. As we're moving forward to these newer offerings, I, I don't even have to think about the server. The, of course, there's a server somewhere, mm. but in, in how I construct my code, I I don't have to architect to a, a platform like that. I can just write my code. 
Yeah, exactly that. I, the way I like to think of it, so like, yeah, the next thing is now serverless and it's almost like we spin up a server just for the thing that you need us to do. And mm -hmm. as soon as it's done, we shut it back down. I mean, mm -hmm. behind the scenes, we've got like, we can't spin up servers that quickly. So we're doing more things, but that's right. how you can think of mm -hmm. it, which is really why when it comes to like the definition of serverless, the way that we see it is around three things. Uh, the first is, like you said, an abstraction of servers. I'm not thinking about OS. There's never a thing in there that says, like, how many instances do you want? Mm -hmm. uh, the second one is micro-billing, which we talked about. So I only pay for what I use. And the third one, which is how it's possible to do that, is that it's event-driven. So instead of being, this thing's always running, I'm always renting these services, mm -hmm. you orchestrate or you define your serverless app to be listened for an event. And when that event occurs, we will spin up the resources to compute on that event and then we shut them back down and so we only charge you for that so an event could be a timer trigger right like every hour go and wake up and check this thing or it might be an http request so when someone comes and hits this website spin up go render the site and uh, send it back down the pipes uh, so those three things kind of the event driven uh, abstraction of servers and uh, micro billing to find serverless mm -hmm. and really the goal of it like why why would we build this uh, is to help make developers more productive, right? Mm -hmm. The time from I have a problem to when my solution can be shipped at cloud scale uh, can be drastically reduced when that number of questions that you're burdening yourself with drops. Uh, and so that's what gets me really excited is it's like, hey, I have a problem I need to solve. I can solve it now in hours uh, because I don't have to worry about all this other stuff. I just say, here's my console app almost or whatever, go publish that in the cloud and it scales up to millions of events per seconds if that's what I need. Yeah, I think that's a good point. A lot of people just think of like HTTP triggers where like a web request comes in, but you can have anything. It could be um, an event hub message coming from an IoT device. And I think that's where it gets really powerful because then I just say, hey, you know, whenever this device sends a message, I just want to run this piece of code. And I think that's really powerful. I don't know if you, you know, if there's any other ones that you want to talk about, any other trigger types. Sure, yeah. So with Azure Functions, so when we talk about serverless in Azure, uh, there's two products that we're focused on, uh, which is Azure Functions, which is the code serverless compute on demand. So you go give it your 20 lines of C-Sharp or Java or whatever. Uh, and Functions is powerful because it has bindings, which are kind of how we think of those inputs and outputs. So you can have input bindings to things like a queue message or events from Event Hub. So you can be streaming IoT data. You can have bindings off of a number of things. Uh, and you can also have output bindings. So like a common example is I'm going to be uploading a bunch of images into a blob. Anytime there's an image in my storage, anytime there's an image mm -hmm. in that blob, wake up, go, you know, compress the image, do whatever, go stick it in the destination source and then go back to sleep. Uh, but breaking it out even further and zooming out, I think one of the unique parts of Azure uh, becomes in the pairing with the other serverless offering, which is Azure Logic Apps. So Azure Logic Apps isn't execute your code on demand. It's how do you define kind of a workflow and orchestration of those serverless pieces? So if you have something you need to do and you want to make it serverless, oftentimes you're going to be calling a number of functions because you want to keep those pieces very small, kind of like microservice-y. Mm -hmm. uh, but if I have something like go process an order, I probably have one Azure function that's like validate their credit card. I have another step which is going to be charge their card. Then I need to send them an email. Then I need to do this. So I need a way to kind of chain those together. And that's what Azure Logic Apps lets you to start to do. Uh, but what really sets it apart, and to your point of events, is mm -hmm. that there's actually a bunch of connectors that are provided too. 
Uh, so as of like the time that we're recording this, I think there's 136. Oh, wow. Um, but what's cool with that is now, instead of just looking at things like Event Hub and Q, you can say like, trigger whenever I get a new customer in my Salesforce account or in my Dynamics account or trigger whenever I finish a build process in Visual Studio Team Services. So now your serverless applications can be connected to those APIs and services that you're using, whether it's on-premises file system or Salesforce or Dropbox. Uh, I mean, if you go look at the list of out-of-the-box connectors, it really gets exciting to say, hey, I would love it that whenever somebody, you know, uh, creates a new issue in GitHub that I automatically run this process. And it's kind of just like point and click, go listen to this event, go run this little bit of code, I'm done, I'm gonna go take a long lunch, and then everyone's gonna be impressed with what I was able to accomplish. <laughs> yeah, I saw a presentation on serverless and it was kind of surprising because I was expecting to see Azure Functions. And the guy goes, yeah, you're, you know, you're a developer, everybody here is a developer, you're probably thinking you're gonna see Azure Functions, but actually what I'm gonna show you is Logic Apps because you know, while we always um, think code first, there's a lot of things you can do really by just connecting those things. And you can, you know, you can declaratively do it as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, the power of logic apps, there's, there's so much power. How many connectors? You said 130? I think it's 136 right now, but <clears throat> honestly, every week there's about two or three more that get yeah. added. Uh, and so that's exciting. And I, I do like the, I think it's a, the thing that excites me is that there's choice there. So mm -hmm. there are some things where it's like, you know what? I just want to go and write this code to talk to Twitter. For whatever reason, I want that code and Azure Functions is perfect. Yeah. But there's other times where it's like, look, I just want to connect really easily to Twitter and post a tweet. And you can just use take advantage of logic apps and kind of this declarative workflow thing to, to minimize the amount of code you want to write. So it is a nice pairing. Uh, I think people get excited when they're like, hey, I don't want to go figure out how Twitter OAuth yeah. 1 works to get a token. I just want to say, run this function, post a tweet, and it's, it's uh, done with the combination of those. So things. as we're still talking about like the, these, uh, you know, 136 different things that we can go off of, is one of them like, uh, if this and that, or like Microsoft Flow or something like mm. that? It's a great question. So <laughs> yeah, to answer that, because, uh, so Microsoft Flow, if you're not familiar, which obviously you yeah. are, uh, is like a, a part of the office suite to say, hey, you know, very much like if this, then that, or Zapier, uh, I want to do these events, I want to chain them together. Microsoft Flow is actually built 100% on Logic Apps behind the scenes. That's great. Uh, so uh, it is the SaaS, the kind of the office version of saying you want to be able to connect your systems to as an office worker who says, I need to get an approval process whenever something's uploaded to SharePoint. Uh, but every time you're creating a flow in Microsoft Flow, you're actually creating a Logic App. You just don't know it because you don't have an Azure subscription necessarily. Uh, and the Azure Logic Apps gives you more stuff like Visual mm -hmm. Studio integration, mm -hmm. automated deployments. You get the declarative definition mm -hmm. and monitoring and all the stuff that's like, look, this is mission critical. This is a, a serverless app and not just productivity. But you can mix and match too. So almost mm -hmm. to your question, it's like, I want something that starts maybe in logic apps and then calls a flow or maybe uses like the maker channel and ift and kind of yeah. mix and match where you want. I think the one we see often is companies will say something like, I have a process to onboard a customer. And for a part of that process, it's, it's not something I want my office workers to see. Maybe I'm integrating with something like SAP and it's like, I don't want anyone touching SAP. SAP is mine. Um, but they are cool with mm -hmm. them using Microsoft Flow. So you can actually do a pattern where it's like, hey, you guys can use Microsoft Flow, and if you ever need to call into this process, here's the way that you call this logic app, which will go and fire the yep. rest of it, but we're managing that as IT. So it kind of, it empowers what we're calling citizen integrators mm -hmm. and citizen developers to extend and leverage these processes without giving them 
you know, full access to everything and saying, please don't mess up our, you know, our, our systems of record. Yeah, we actually have a flow set up that it monitors for whenever people mention the MS Dev Show, and then it actually posts it on our Slack channel. Nice, yeah, perfect. I mean, that, and it's like two minutes to set that up. Exactly. It's so easy. Yeah, That's yeah. great. So you mentioned that uh, there's some Visual Studio integrations with that. How does that look like? Yeah, so the, the way that Logic Apps works is there is this declarative, we call it the workflow definition behind the scenes, which is like, here's my triggers, here's my actions, and that way you can check it into source control and all that stuff. But it's not a very fun thing to work with. It's JSON-based. It's very verbose. Uh, so when you build a Logic App or a Flow, you've got that designer, right? So within Visual Studio, we actually, when you install the Visual Studio tools for Logic Apps, you say you want to create a Logic App, which is an Azure resource project, and it will actually load the designer inside of Visual Studio. So you can have like your Azure Function project, you can have your Logic App project, you have the Visual Studio designer to connect it together, but when you're actually clicking save, it's building and generating that code representation of it. Uh, so you don't have to get in the weeds, but you can still use Visual Studio, check it into source control, version it, and then deploy it wherever you want. So like the, the example you have, like the flow for, obviously that's a perfect use case for flow. Mm -hmm. If for whatever reason you're like, look, we need a dev test and staging environment right. for this Twitter to Slack thing, <laughs> you could build that in Visual Studio and then within like right-click deploy, say, I want this to be in Japan. I want it to have these parameters. I want it to listen to MS Dev Show. And then like 10 seconds later, you've got your functions, your logic apps all ready to go listening to tweets uh, in that case. So it's, it's nice to have that kind of agility in deployment and development and still use tools like Visual Studio. Okay, so speaking of Twitter, I saw a tweet earlier that kind of went over my head, so I'm hoping that you can shed some light on this. So the, the tweet was mentioning, you know, we were, we were talking, there was a, um, somebody was talking on stage, you know, about uh, Azure Functions and how powerful that is, just like we're talking about now. Um, and they said that um, the, the tweet specifically said something about like serverless and Azure Functions replacing Docker. And I, uh -huh. I, I thought that was kind of interesting. I'm like, I'm like, what does that mean? So I, I don't know if you can shed some light on that. It kind of went over my head. Um, and I don't know if it's like completely different technologies and, and, and you just, just Docker isn't needed in this new world or, you know, what, what is the, what is your take? It's funny. I actually saw the same tweet. Oh, you Honestly, saw it? Yeah. And I, okay. I had the same reaction. Okay. I was like, uh, so this is, this is where uh, I may have a controversial opinion, okay. but this is, there's almost like this little tech debate going on right now of serverless or containers. And okay. I went to serverless conference in uh, Austin, Texas about two weeks ago. And then a week before that was DockerCon. So there's, there's almost this rivalry. <laughs> but where I see it is actually not this or that. Okay. Uh, I think they both serve very uh, special purposes. And I think they're actually great and truth be told, I would actually like to see these things play nicer in the future. And I think that uh, I'm hopeful that that's what you'll see Microsoft start to do. So if I look at, like when I started, I almost had the stack of uh, VMs, which is like IaaS, platform as a service. And then below that would be software as a service. I see containers is sitting nicely between like Infra or IaaS and PaaS, like containers are kind of right there where okay. I'm still fairly conscious that there's a VM behind the scenes. Like I'm, I'm working with an operating system, so I have that level of control. It's not abstracted from me. Uh, but really what I'm going for when I'm doing containers is I want like a really consistent environment across every place that I develop this thing. Like when I'm on my local box, if it's on Windows, if it's on Linux, I want this thing to just be very consistent. Containers solve that very well. 
Serverless, on the other hand, sits kind of in my mind between PaaS and, and SaaS, where it's like you have no, like there is no mention of a VM anywhere in this thing. You're just giving it your code. Everything's taken care of for you. And really what you're going for is speed of development. Like I want this thing up as quick as possible. I actually think in, in the foreseeable future, we're going to see them both because there are things where it's like, look, I really need this to be a contained application. Containers are great for this. Azure has some awesome stuff with container service and service fabric to do that. But if you're really just trying to get something into production very quickly, you don't need that control over the operating system. You don't want to be worrying about VMs or scaling. I think serverless is great. I actually, I think I kind of say like, why not both? Um, but I would love it. I mean, my dream state is I want to get something done really fast. Maybe I start with Azure Functions. And then a few weeks or months down the road, I'm like, you know what? I do kind of wish I had the control that I would get in a container ecosystem. And I would click a button and it would almost just like zoom out and be like, okay, now you're in a Kubernetes cluster. Yeah. You've got all these other bells and whistles that you can play with. You've got more questions you've got to manage. Uh, but it's like a seamless progression between do I want that control? Do I not? Obviously, we're not there today, uh, but that's that's how I see it, if that makes okay. sense. I like that. I like that. Yeah. It's good positioning. But yeah, you will see. Uh, there are people who are like, look, you know, containers is... People almost think serverless is the next evolution after containers. Yeah. I, I think differently, but even yeah, it, uh, it seems like both can can live for sure. It it, yeah. uh, it didn't seem like it would wholesale replace it. Like, oh, let's just give up on this container thing, <laughs> which never really even had time to. T I mean, yeah. containers in itself is still pretty uh, pretty new, relatively yeah, speaking. So. Exactly. Aspose offers a powerful set of file management APIs with which developers can create applications, which can create open, edit, and save the majority of popular business file formats. Their product range supports a multitude of file formats, including Word documents, Excel spreadsheets, PowerPoint presentations, PDF documents, OneNote, Outlook, Project, Visio files, popular image formats, and many others. Aspose produces APIs for .NET, Java, and the cloud, which can be utilized in almost any modern language available today. Visit www.aspose.com for a free 30-day no-limitations trial. And if you get stuck, message the friendly support team for help. All technical support is offered free of charge. Remember, if you're a lucky winner, you will receive a free developer small business license for Aspose.Words for .NET, a powerful toolkit to work with Word documents in your applications. What, one of the other things that uh, was brought up in the keynote, especially with Azure Functions, is running on the edge. Mm -hmm. So, you know, first of all, what is, what is running on the edge, and, and what does that give us? Isn't How can it we exciting, use exciting, all the, like, serverless and running on the edge? And it's like, <laughs> I love all these marketing terms. I'm updating like, my resume yeah. right now. <laughs> I have five years experience of. Yeah, yeah. Five years experience serverless, <laughs> ten years Docker. Uh, so, actually, this is one of the coolest things about Azure Functions is because it is built on top of the Web Jobs SDK, um, Actually, ever since it's been been around, you can run the functions runtime locally on your machine. So when you're developing an Azure function, something that you need to Azure is you can do something like set a breakpoint and click run and have it all run on your local box and make sure it's consistent. Uh, so you do that consistent development environment. Uh, moving forward, there's, there's a, a new flavor of that where instead of just as a developer, I want to run my function there's this thing called the Azure Functions Runtime, which is really just the, the runtime that manages this code. Mm -hmm. And where we see a lot of value is, to the point in the keynote, IoT devices have all of this data. And yep. there is gravity in that data. Like, you want to process that data as close to the data as you can get. You don't want to necessarily throw all your data into the cloud and process it there. Some of the data you can process locally. 
So what IoT Edge provides and Azure Functions on the Edge is you can use that Azure Functions runtime right on that device, right on that Raspberry Pi or whatever to process that data using the same code. It's the same experience. Like you could take your function code and run it there. Um, and that way you have that compute as close to the device as possible. And that's really what it's enabling. And, you know, some data you're going to throw up and say, hey, this goes to the public cloud and other data, it's going to stay right on that device and stay on that mm -hmm. edge. Yeah, Sam had a really good example of that earlier where he was showing this emergency response time. So it was basically sending data up through, uh, up through Azure Functions. They were looking for a certain pattern and, and then they would send a signal back down that says, you know, shut down the equipment. Like, I don't know, somebody's about to get their hand chopped off or something. I don't remember the exact details. Sure. But, I mean, that's the kind of thing we're talking about here. And... Uh, and then, and I was like, Sam, what are you doing? Like, why would you send all this data to the cloud? And yeah. luckily, like, that was the question you were supposed to ask. Yeah. Because then he pushed a button and he took that logic and it, he just moved it right down to the edge. Yes. And now, whenever that condition happens, I think it was like 100 milliseconds um, is when it was able to respond to that emergency condition. So, I mean, just, it's faster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the latency is a big one. And just like ingress and egress and yeah. stuff, that has cost to it as well. Uh, but yeah, if that, if, if there was a slow day in the internet, it took three seconds to tell someone their hands get to yeah. chopped off. It's like it gets chopped off. They get the ping and they're like, well, or great. the internet down. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's and the thing he was measuring was like latency, like of that yeah. call. But a lot of times too, you just have a lot of data and you have to wait for that data to get up there. Sure. I mean, yeah. So if you're working with a lot of data or, you know, it's, you have a lot of different messages and you've got to wait for all 3000 of them to go up there before you can figure out what to do with it. If you can process that locally, and get that done immediately, it can still go up to the cloud, but you already know what to do with it. Yeah, if I'm uploading a podcast and then somebody is about to get their hand cut off, <laughs> I guess that's my fault then. <laughs> um, so I guess what else was announced here at Build, or I don't know if you can talk, I don't know if there's things that are going to be announced in the next couple of days, sure. I don't know what else you can talk about. I think, in, in specifically in terms of like the serverless space where I am, I think some of the stuff we're excited um, that we're showcasing here at Build, the biggest one is just Visual Studio 2017 support, uh, developing Azure Functions, uh, I don't know if you've done it in Visual Studio before, but before I, it was like CS script files. So I did it yesterday ah. and I was cursing because yeah. I, I, I know, so there was kind of a pivot. There was, I, I originally used VS Code yeah. and I was using the command line tools and life was wonderful. And I was yeah. actually doing Node, oh, yeah. um, which has a little bit uh, less complexity in, in certain cases because there's, you know, just, there's no typing. Um, so then I, I wanted to do something in C-sharp because there were some C-sharp libraries that I needed. And that actually happened yesterday. And then I saw the blog post where it was kind of changed now. The functions are compiled, which yes. I think is kind of interesting. Probably, you know, I think it's the right decision. But the tooling hadn't caught up as yes. of yesterday. And then today I saw that in the keynote, like, oh, tooling updates. And I'm like, oh. I needed that yesterday. So is that, like, can I get that now, or is that right around the corner? It's available now. So it's available now. I think the... I should have emailed you yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can get that now. As if you would have emailed me yesterday, I would have had to say yeah. wait 24 hours. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's amazing with C Sharp how much you love things like IntelliSense or just yeah. whatever. And so now uh, the Visual Studio tooling will do that C or the C Sharp class library. Yeah. So you get that nice development experience. So that's available now. Um, Logic has the support there too. The other things we're talking about here is uh, there's this thing of function proxies, uh, which is... I saw that in there, yeah. Yeah, it's almost like this uh, API layer in front of your function. Mm -hmm. So if you want to expose a function as an API and you want it to have a path like slash orders, 
uh, and then like slash order slash ID and make it like exposed as a REST API, mm -hmm. you can define what are called these proxies where it's like, hey, you hit us on this endpoint and we'll route it back to a function or route it to the logic app or route it to whatever endpoint that is. Um, those are the big ones. There's other stuff around like open API definition or swagger support for functions. Okay. So you can integrate with other things. But I think the big one we're most excited about is just better tooling. Uh, to yeah. catch up with the features that you mentioned. Well, I think now, I mean, I'll have to look at it, but it seems like, you know, functions originally, it was it was kind of a one-off. I'd create this function and this function, and I'd have to sort of time together. But it seems like <clears throat> we're closer to this uh, situation now where I can build like a pile of functions that interoperate, and that whole story has gotten much better. Yeah, yeah. and that's what we see uh, a lot of people doing is, because functions are addictive. I mean, you start <laughs> writing one, and yeah. you're like, this is exciting. Uh, but then you're at the other problem where it's like, now I have five functions. Like, how do I get them to talk to each other? Yep. Do I have to drop cues in the middle? So, I mean, Logic Apps is great. We're also working on other things just to make connecting and organizing all these functions so you've got this nice library that can stream in and out and expose itself as APIs or, or processes or whatever. Okay. Yeah, so uh, we've mentioned Node, we've mentioned C Sharp. What other kind of language support is there for uh, functions? Yep, so generally available, it's Node and C Sharp. And we just recently announced support for TypeScript, which I know yeah. it's like JavaScript, but you can just write native TypeScript. Uh, there's also support for Python, uh, S Sharp, PowerShell, Bash, and Batch. Uh, I'm not sure. I know there's a few of those that like aren't officially generally available yet. I think Bash and Batch are some of them. But I was gonna, if you I, really I, want to, I you can, can write a Batch function. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just because you can do a thing doesn't mean you should do a thing. Yeah, but I, I believe the ones that are generally available is F Sharp, C Sharp, and Node, and then TypeScript. I'm glad a, TypeScript. I notice I'm wearing my TypeScript shirt. Yeah, that's so. good. Yeah, I love, yes, it is. Uh, we have a developer on our team who's adamant yeah. that JavaScript isn't a real language, but he says Type. Script is okay, but uh, he just for whatever reason, the the irony of it is he works in React JS all day, so oh. he's always he's doing our designer. Yeah. Um, so he was very ex excited when we said now you can just do native TypeScript and have it be an Azure function. Okay. Any other roadmap items you can talk about? Uh, I think as we move forward. Uh, There'll be, a, I think, some of the stuff we're excited about that we're working on is continuing to make this story between functions running wherever it needs to be, whether it's the edge, but also having things like calling functions from every other service that you might want to, right. whether it's from Microsoft Flow or from Power Apps, like how do I expose it, how do I describe it so it's easily accessible, as well as uh, even more better together stuff between Logic Apps and Functions, where if I'm in the function portal and I have five functions, uh, hopefully just being able to say, how do I orchestrate these things together? And right there, it's kind of like, we'll tell us how you want to chain them and we'll do it right there. It's just so it's uh, more seamlessly done. Uh, I think you'll see stuff uh, around tooling continue to improve. Monitoring is a big one. I, I failed to mention that App Insights integration was also announced. I think that's really cool wow. to, to uh, be able to see how your function is performing and how it's being uh, latent or not latent. Hopefully. So do I have to do anything special or is that just something I turn on? Is yeah. it sort of the layer above my code then? It is. It's uh, oh, So yeah, cool. now as of today, you, you kind of just go in, you paste in your, your uh, app insight key and okay. it just sends all the information for you automatically. That uh, way it's tied into the rest of my application. Exactly. Uh, yep. And then you can, you can like emit custom events as well within your code, uh, but all you really have to do is just go give it your App Insights uh, key, and it goes and takes care of the rest for you just as part of the service. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Actually, this is. This is super exciting, because I always think of things... You know, so the the bottom, the you know, you were talking about this continuum earlier, and mm. Azure Functions is on one side, IaaS or virtual machines is at the other end of the spectrum. 
anytime somebody asks me like where should they be in that spectrum, I would say start at this end, mm. and then if you outgrow that somehow, you need to do something exotic, and hopefully that never happens because like you guys keep adding more and more features. Hopefully you can stay in that, but if you have to go up to app services, if that doesn't work. Yeah, then you go to PaaS, then you go up to IaaS. Um, so that that's great. You guys are adding a lot of features that make it so that I can stay in that world. So yeah, I'm that's really the. Yeah, I think in terms of the industry, like with serverless right now. The two biggest pain points that people see, again, I, I just got back from the serverless conference, so it's kind of fresh in mind, yeah. uh, that, that developers seem to complain about is one is like development tooling. It's like, I love the serverless thing, but I'm developing these in a different way, kind of the headaches that you had yesterday. And the other one's just on monitoring. Like, now I have this thing scaling up to potential millions of things. I know I'm only paying per execution, but like, what happens if something goes wrong? How do I know? Like, I don't want this <laughs> black box of mystery. Uh, but that's why I'm excited, even, even today at Build, with stuff like the App Insights integration tooling, but it's still like, I think we're still just getting started. And so hopefully we get to a spot where it's like, hey, hopefully the majority of your problems can get solved and we'll take care of the things that every application needs, like monitoring, like yeah. alerting, the stuff that nobody thinks of when they're starting that VM. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh crap, now I need to go add telemetry and I've got to go add security and I've got to go add all these pieces. Uh, it'd be great if we can just uh, provide all that out of the box. Cool. Anything else you want to talk about while we have you? Uh, that's it. Honestly, it's great to be yeah. on the show. Uh, it's great meeting you both too. And, uh, yeah. I'm going to come keep, back another yeah, time. Yeah, I'm going to keep following the space. And definitely, anytime you want to come back on the show, you're absolutely welcome. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about serverless. Yeah, for sure. And for those listening, if you haven't tried it before, uh, hopefully it's clear, like, Getting started with serverless is very, very low barrier entry. I mean, yeah. you can go to the Azure Functions page and there's like a try now and it just opens it up for you. Yeah. Uh, similar with Logic Apps. Uh, we've got a few walkthroughs and tutorials as well where it's like you go spend 15, 20 minutes kicking this thing around and you can have some end-to-end -end solutions running. I think that's what's really exciting is often when you're learning technology, you kind of you block a weekend and you're like, maybe by the end of the weekend, I'll have what I want. It's like, look, just block half an hour and it's very yeah, yeah. likely. No, you'll, you'll get far and half, like block yeah. off five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, because you can create a new a new function and just yes. like start writing code in the in the portal if you really want to. Um, and if you have a dollar, like you're good to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the other thing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. that, that's all you need. Like you can just use your personal credit card and, and you're good to go. Uh, so where, what's the best starting point for people to to learn more about uh, uh, you know the offerings within Azure. Yeah, so we've got a lot on docs.microsoft.com. We've actually just released like a whole new batch of quick starts. Some awesome. of them include Logic App. Some of them include Event Hub. Uh, that's a great place to go. So if yeah. you go to docs.microsoft.com, you navigate through Azure, you can find a bunch of quick starts across Logic Apps and Functions. If you want a kind of fun one as well, we talked about Twitter. Uh, and you want more of a guided experience, uh, if you go to aka.ms slash logic apps demo so just one word uh, all lowercase there's about a 15 minute video where we go through building a workflow that calls both functions and logic apps but it actually listens to tweets uh, like what you mentioned uh, but at the end of it you are publishing all those tweets to a real-time power bi dashboard and throwing in some machine learning in the mix to like figure out the sentiment of the tweet and what the tweet's about uh, so it only takes like 15 minutes you can follow along it will walk you through creating a function and then uh, especially if you already have a power bi account then you get to watch this account like i've got one running in our booth right now that's listening to hashtag ms build and it's just like going crazy with the thousands of tweets every second but it's cool that within 10 minutes now i can see what's the sentiment of tweets what are people tweeting about in what area of the world. Uh, so that's a fun kind of guided one as well. Very cool. And then where can people find you? Are you on uh, yeah, so I'm on Twitter at Jeff Holland. I'm pretty active there. So feel free to follow me, ask me any questions. 
Honestly, one of the coolest parts about, I think, Azure as a whole right now is we want to be as close to developers as we can. I'm always open to jump on a phone call with yourself or anyone if you're like, hey, I want to know more. So reach out to me on Twitter, at Jeff Holland. You can send me a note. Uh, if you have questions on functions, uh, Chris Anderson is a great thing. He's at Crandy Codes, but uh, you'll be able to find him through me as well. Uh, and uh, we're more than happy to help where we can. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks. Uh, thanks again, you guys.